Good morning and welcome to the Five Properties Show. Um, today we're talking about flower power, how to create a garden that you love and a garden that will sell. So joining me today is Jim Parker. How are you today, Jim? Good morning. It's great to see someone else hosting the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for trusting me with it. <laughs> and we also have Jimmy Mullen, uh, one of our estate agents. How are you, Jimmy? Yeah, good. Good, thanks, Andrea. Um, busy That's day ahead. Uh, sun is shining, so what more could you it want? Is. It's a lovely day. Just I can't wait to get out in the garden. <laughs> be plenty of inspiring ideas after today's show, anyway. To, to I'll be honest to say, I can't wait to get away from the garden. <laughs> 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 this is the time of year that everything keeps growing. Stop. Well, it does. Day. Why can we not just get the garden perfect and then just take some sort of spray and freeze everything as it is and just leave that forever? But <laughs> we get it exactly you know, right. It's like just leave it forever. Yeah, but then somebody would want to change something. So <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I'm anyway. a for the habits. <laughs> so with the end of April comes the end of frosts. So now's the perfect time to lay the groundwork of a beautiful spring and summer garden. Being in a natural green space is always delightful and hugely positive for our well-being. While gardening itself has proved a healthy and joyous activity. On top of all that, gardens have become a bigger selling point more than ever. Post-lockdown, outside space became a huge priority for a lot of people, yeah. um, mainly because they couldn't get out of their houses. So a garden was the, their their sanctuary. It was the, the place where they could go out and they could relax, they could exercise yeah. uh, and think about being able to entertain friends and things again and sometime in the future. Has it been like that for you, Jim? Yeah, well, I always said to people, it's like if you have, if you don't have a garden, stick your head out the window and, and take a deep breath. And just just to, unless you're in a big suburban city, which actually has all the all the fumes, um, but <laughs> just just for something, just for some sort of peace of mind, you'd be amazed at how many times when you stand in your garden and it changes your whole uh, your whole being, your whole mindset, and everything like that. Um, the classic example is right now if you take a deep breath. You feel a lot of weight lifting off your mind as you hold it in and then let it out gradually, and and that's the sort of that's the sort of chi if that makes sense. We we talk about and and it's what you get from the garden as well. So I would one hundred percent agree that a garden has got to be the thing that you love the most, and it will sell a property. Now, in a market where it's really buoyant, and I've said to everybody during the winter period as well, it's like anything will sell at this point in time. Because you could put you could put the worst you could put the worst property on, and Jimmy will probably agree with this. You put the worst property on the market you could ever seen, and it will still sell over the home report value, um, and and that's effectively what's happened, isn't it, Jimmy? Yeah, it definitely it definitely has. That was was the case, but coming in, what I'd say now is the importance of garden. It's going to be more relevant now as more properties come on the market. It's going to maybe not be that the case for every single property right now because there is more and more stuff coming on the market so having stuff like today and helping you get your garden right is going to pay dividends yeah. when it comes to end result yeah um so i mean it's good news is that you don't have to to be an expert you know and and wait months to to make your garden perfect you can uh, begin to enjoy it gradually it's, it's never going to be a, a finished work completely something just to, to plod away on mm -hmm. um and, and take that time just to relax 
So whether you're looking to save for the summer where you live now or you're getting ready to sell your home, you'll find everything here today in this article about how to sow the seeds of a glorious leafy garden. Um, so the professionals tend to plan gardens out by numbers. Um, you know, they'll, they'll divide it into thirds or they'll have shapes, you know. It's not just you've got a square garden, you've got your lawn in the middle, you've got borders around the outside and you've got a few, you know, the little bedding plants <laughs> that everybody used to see, one blue, one white, one blue, one white, right around the corner of the mm -hmm. garden and maybe a little fir tree in a tub somewhere stuck in the middle just to, yeah. for something different. Uh, Jimmy, you're quite new to gardening. Have you What have you done with your garden? Uh, <laughs> this will be interesting. Come on, Jimmy. I don't, I don't do gardening. I want to astroturf mine, um, so it's less maintenance, and the kids can still play on it. But from the house that we bought, we've had, it's not finished yet, but we have done a lot of work in the garden. And you're right, what you're saying about sections. When we come onto our back garden, we have a slabbed area where we've got like a picnic bench for the kids when they want to eat outside. But on the back of our garage, there was like a, a greenhouse on the back of the garage. We've knock that down because we don't we don't grow stuff um but we're turning in the process of turning that into a barbecue area and we've stone chipped it all um stone chipped it all so we can have a barbecue area and a sitting area and it's going to be like a a stone built worktop where you can eat your stuff on it uh, and then we've got the the lawn area for for the children to run and play and it's still quite a, a big garden as you as you both know so we have got three different sections to our garden you're right one that suits yeah. the kids but et time when we have friends and families over and for the kids to play as well so um we're covering all markets if and when we ever decide to sell mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i look forward to the invitation jimmy to the barbecue <laughs> finish <it first>. <laughs> <laughs> so as I said, landscapers, they treat it as almost like separate rooms. You know, yeah. um, you've got your, your living area of your garden, your your kitchen area of your garden. You've got your vegetable garden, your play, playground, a wilderness. A lot of people are doing wilderness gardens now and, and planting these um, seed, you know, bomb, bomb seed things. So you get all yeah. the wildflowers coming up. So um, small gardens as a single room, think of it that way. And position your furniture um, so that it creates, a, you know, a really good little atmosphere and have little plant pots and uh, accessories and things. You can see that classic example of Malt Row yesterday when I did the pre-portal lunch for that. You know, Malt Row's got an absolutely huge garden, but there's separate defined sections. I mean, at the rear, you've got, you've got the side drive where it goes up on the other side of the house and then it goes to the back shed, which has a huge amount of space. They've got that fenced off. Then they've got the deck and it comes out the actual bedroom so you can sit out there in the morning and have a cup of coffee in the sun. Mm -hmm. And then it leads on to the mini orchard, which is out there as well, and then onto the potting shed and then onto the, the lazy area where you can just lie about in the sun, basically, on the stone chips. And then you can go up to the actual decking, which is next to the back door, and then across to the barbecue hut if you want as well. And then you've got a separate defined play area at the rear as well. So it's all separately defined into different areas. Um, and it works very, very well. Whereas you come to my garden, it's just all one big thing. It's like, I'm just, not I'm just going in that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not bad in itself, though, Jim, because, you know, a, a garden has to suit the person that owns it and what their needs are for it. 
and you obviously don't need lots of little separate areas. You know, I mean, your cats love your garden, your chickens love your garden, and you know, I'm sure you do too for the amount of time that you might get to spend in it. So it, it's all it's all relative got, to what you need. I've got a wee separate defined area right outside my back door where you can walk into the kitchen or you can walk in through the other patio doors and and it's enclosed and so it sits in the sun more or less all day long and it's enclosed so it doesn't get any wind either. Uh, and then, you know, you, you, the only thing is just one big massive tree at two o'clock in the afternoon where the sun goes behind it. And it's like, okay, we've got to move our chairs. Uh, and then, then you wait for it to come round and then you move your chairs back at three o'clock um, to the space you were before. But that's, that's about it. That, that's what I love about the garden. It's just a nice relaxing place. And it's close enough to the house for me to get the broadband so you can actually stream live music. You know, and, and and things that you'll maybe want to see or maybe want to watch. Um, I did see, I tell you what, in Creole, I did see this guy and he just opened this cupboard and it was like a mass television. <laughs> and he's garden on the wall. And it's like, oh my oh, God. Really? I, I thought it was, I was expecting a big massive dartboard or something like that. And it was a huge television. And then he says, that's that. And then he opened another shed and it was like, this is my kitchen. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Talk about going to the extremes. It's like, but I tell you what, it did work. <laughs> One of the things that came up in yesterday's um, show, no, Thursday's show that Perry and I did was a lot of people are actually getting toilets put out in their gardens um, to save people having to come inside because they're spending so much more time out in the garden. Okay, so we're going back to the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. I thought that was just what the bushes were for. Oh, that's for, that's for me. Eh? That was that tree, Jim. <laughs> One at two o'clock. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, right, we've got a couple of comments here. Anne-Marie is saying good morning. So good morning, Anne-Marie. Thank you for yeah. listening in. Good morning. Um, if you've got any questions, please feel free to ask them. This is a golden opportunity or any advice or any information. You could do that yourself as well. So to keep your garden in bloom for longer... Um, stagger your planting dates uh, or maturing dates. Gardeners call this succession planting. Yep. You don't want to plant everything at once, especially vegetables and things, because then you're never going to be able to eat them all at once. You end up giving them away to half the neighbours. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you get perpetual plants as well. We used to have perpetual spinach, perpetual lettuce. So you just pick, leave them. You don't actually pick them right out of the ground. You leave them growing and you just pull the leaves off as you need them, which is also quite a good idea. Experiment with scale as well. Uh, uh, you know, put larger plants towards the back against your boundaries um, and then sort of taper it down towards the front. It makes it easier for weeding as well. Um, a large single specimen plant in a, a small garden can add more drama than a cluster of miniatures. Um, try a bay or an olive tree in the sun or a fatsia in the shade. We'll be talking about fatsias mm -hmm. later on as well. Um, okay. so there's no right combination of plants. You know, it's whatever you like. Have fun mixing shapes, colours, textures. You think, or, do you think um, an olive tree would, would work in this climate? You think that would be possible? I mean, there was talk at one point because climate change in, in the UK is getting a lot more and, and mm -hmm. the, the degrees are going a lot higher. Do you, do you think do you think there will be a time where we put an avocado tree out and, uh, and it'll grow? Oh, I think there's a potential. I mean, there are people, you know, grow grapes in this country. Uh, we have palm trees. 
So did you see that? You now, know, right? the yeah. to the beach. Um, obviously, the salty air can make things difficult. Some particular plants difficult to grow, but it makes others, um, you know, really flourish well. And the palm yeah. trees seem to do really well uh, the closer to the coast. I think, um, I think it's probably because they adapt, isn't it? And and the classic example of that is when I first went out to Portugal and Spain. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, the grass, the grass is the grass is completely different. I mean, yeah. the grass is grass, but the grass is more robust. It's not the it's not the spongy grass that we have, but I, I bet you it's probably the same type of grass, but it's just evolved over the years to acclimatize to the climate it's in just now. Because um, yeah. I'm amazed that when when you look at it, and a lot of the places in Spain where the plants, I mean, you know, it's very dry there, and the plants continue to thrive as a, regardless. Um, mm -hmm. So you kind of think to yourself, they must adapt and change somehow. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the grasses in Spain, Portugal, they don't they don't necessarily grow the best by water. It's actually sand, sand that helps it grow. A lot yeah. better because when we when I used to play golf, we used to not take, used to not repair repair the the turf by putting it back in there. You used to have a sand bucket, you fill it with sand, and that would actually help it grow better. All right, I never knew that. Um, you know that's, uh, and I suppose that's when you think about it. I suppose that's quite appropriate because you do have that down on the coast here. You know, so when we go down to the beach and stuff like that, you do have the grass, and admittedly, the grass is a bit different. Um, so maybe maybe uh, maybe you're absolutely right. It's it's the same sort of it's the same strain, but just different methods of uh, adapting to change to the environment, just like anything really. So yeah. I think that's the great the beauty of you know the beauty of that about you know. But back back to you, Andrea. You know what's what was, what's your thoughts on the garden by numbers? Do you think? I mean, you'd said initially, but yes. is, is it something everybody should do, or just like just do it how you want to do it? I well. I think if you're starting off with a blank canvas, it's really good to, to work to a plan. Yeah. But if you're moving into a house that somebody else has either nurtured a garden and, you know, you just want to stick with what they've done because it looks nice or you want to gradually work on it, you know, it can be quite expensive getting the garden done, you know, taken back to a blank canvas and redoing it, you know, the way that Charlie Dimmick does on... Um, uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that, I didn't care about you, but that's when I give up the wall to live when it comes to yeah. that. Like, I, I, I wouldn't know where to start. I've got 1,500 square metres and most yeah. of it laid the lawn. And, and it's an easy gig for me because you just get out and mow the lawn and that's it. And then, you know, a couple of robust bushes which will actually keep over time and you just trim them back now and again. Yeah, well, it's like what Jimmy said about, um, you know, maybe making his lawn into AstroTurf because that's what's going to work for them. Yeah. And a lot of people say, no, you know, AstroTurf's plastic and think of the planet. Well, it, my rear garden is all AstroTurf and we've been here six and a half years now and it's the most fantastic thing ever. Um, so do, you go, do you go out to hoover the grass? I, no, I don't do anything with it at all. No, okay. Because <laughs> there, there is, I, I know people, like when I've been renting their house, it's like, I've got a hoover for this, and I go, what's this for then? Was, That's for the grass. What? Yeah, no, we it's just, like, we just grass. <laughs> Ours actually even grows some weeds. It looks so, <laughs> it's so natural. But, I mean, AstroTurf doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to affect the planet just because it's plastic. You're saving on the fuel that you would be using to cut grass, the energy that's yeah. created and cutting large amounts of grass. So, you know, we're quite happy with our AstroTurf and saying whatever works for you. 
A lot of people don't have a lot of time to spend in the garden, but they still want yeah. it to be nice. See, I so, still love, I don't know about you, Jimmy, uh, or you, Andrea, but I still love this the fresh cut, the fresh smell of cut grass. And I get cut, that from the neighbours. <laughs> yeah, and, and for me, for, you know what it reminds me of? Sports day. Yeah. It reminds me of school sports day, because every time I used to walk from, from primary school up to King George V Park, um, on school sports day, you could always smell the grass being cut. Uh, and it's like, uh, now in hindsight, I think to myself, they're probably going in the morning and going, oh my God, it's school sports day, the day of the day. <laughs> Let's get the grass cut. <laughs> uh, that's probably why, because um, I always seem to be cutting it on that day. Um, but but it's just that fresh cut smell. And it just, it reminds me of that. Of that. And it's night, it's quite idyllic and it's, and it's that mindset and that, that th this is when we talk about other shows about smells and how they evoke mm -hmm. certain emotions. And for me, it actually invokes quite a positive experience and positive emotion. So that's why I kind of like it. Plus the fact I like, I like walking on the grass and my bare feet because yeah. it's just nice and, ah, it's just, it's just nice and soothing and calming. And, uh, and it's like, I'm going to get into my Wim Hof mood <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I don't know if that's experience for you. I mean, Jimmy, is that what it's like for you? Yeah, I agree with you. I'd, I'd much rather have, well, I agree with you both, but I'd much rather have grass. But I think it does look better and it feels better as, as well, I would say. But going back to what Andrea says, I don't really have the time to, to spend the whole day doing, doing my garden because I'm either with the kids, with the family or or working, that's my two priorities. So I want to be either doing that or that. I don't want to be spending all my time in the garden if I can have it one that suits the kids and I don't have to work, do anything with it, and I can okay. go out there and watch them and be here's, with them. Here's, and, a, here's right. a top tip for you to have everything, because you can have your cake and eat it. We're going to be talking about a Wealth Creation Show on Monday at 12.30. Urban myths we're going to be talking about. And you can't have your cake and eat it, because the key here is watch the Wealth Creation Show. I'll teach you how to make more money. Go and pay somebody else to do it for you. That would and be you've, got, you've got everything. You've got your cake and eat it. <laughs> that would be the dream. Pay someone oh. else to do it for me. Oh, dear. Anyway, for, for regular inspiration and advice, apart from coming to ourselves, <laughs> and you can get the layman's uh, view of it, um, you can tune into the likes of Radio 4 that does a weekly uh, Gardener's Question Time. Yeah. Um, Radio Scotland also does a Gardener's Question Time. Usually, I think it used to be a Monday morning they had their gardener on through the summer. Um, great tips. It's wonderful listening to a gardening programme on the radio and someone says, oh, I've got this uh, problem with my plant. <laughs> and, of course, you can't see the plant, and they can't see the plant, so you haven't got a really much of a clue of what they're talking about. But yeah. it, it's always yeah. very informative, and they can give you really good tips on how to keep your uh, chrysanthemums looking nice. Anyway, we, so we, have a, we, have a, we have a host uh, nearby, actually, that lives in Leiden, uh, Callum Scott. I mean, he's Beach Grove Garden. So Carl right. appears on the Beach Grove Garden um, as a presenter, and uh, you know he's local to Fife, um, so he's an he's an excellent source of information. So you look up mm -hmm. Callum Scott, and you'll see some of his uh, videos on YouTube on YouTube channels. Um, right. uh, wealth information, you know, a young guy, um, really up and coming in, pre in presentation skills, and especially in the gardening world, a big thing. I mean, for me, when I was younger, like really the gardening world, <laughs> it's yeah. like Beach Grove Garden is an opportunity to switch things off and just I'm going to. See you, yeah. bye. 
Um, but now it's actually quite enthusing. It's quite uh, exhilarating actually to watch these sort of things and think, okay, what could I do here and what could I do there? How could I make it? How could I make it different? Um, and it's exactly, you know, Heather said there as well. Look, Heather says actually, uh, get your kids involved, Jimmy. I tell you what. Uh, Jimmy, here's the classic how to get your kids involved. And my dad used to do it on me all the time. He used to throw money into the garden and hide it. And when we'd dig it up, he'd go, oh, there might be more. And we used to dig the whole garden over <laughs> for 10 pence. And it's like, oh, my God. And 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 literally, my dad did do that. Because um, I asked him later on, did you actually do that? Was that planned? And he went, yeah. <laughs> and it's a classic. So there's a, there's a way to get your kids involved. Throw a 50 pence piece in the garden, right? Get them to dig it up and, and then they'll go, wow. And I go, hey, there might be more and they'll be all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of the joke about the, the woman that wasn't able to dig her garden up anymore and she couldn't get anybody to help her. So she phoned the police and said that her husband was missing and they came and dug all the garden over. <laughs> So, some instant garden magic. If you're getting your home ready for sale, or you simply can't wait to be sitting outside among blooming flowers and leaves, instant gratification is just a garden centre away. About to bloom flowers are available to drop into pots, planters and beds for immediate colour, while adding a few larger plants can give your garden an established feel in seconds. Use your pots and planters to create a naturalistic vibe by choosing materials like ceramics, terracotta, wood or rattan. Remember that pots, baskets and planters need extra watering and food because of the smaller volume of soil and increased exposure to the wind. Create cosy spring twilights and evenings with storm candles, solar powered lanterns and bulb strings and add some interior design to your outdoor furniture with textiles and natural fabrics like wool and cotton. Think tablecloths, seat covers, cushions and blankets and treat a long straight lawn to some organic curves with a few large plants staggered on either side and liven up the plain patio or balcony with a patterned outdoor rug. It doesn't have to be a huge space. You can think of a small balcony and what a difference yeah. a little bit of furnishing on it can make. Well, we had one at Akhtarmukti like that. I remember that one. Mm -hmm. you went, we did. You went out the back and it's like, it's just had this balcony. It's like, wow. And and you thought to yourself, it was wonderful inside, amazing space. But when you opened the balcony and just sat in there and you saw over, because it was on the slope at the back, it was mm -hmm. over all the houses. And I looked out to the rear and I thought, wow, I mean, this is an amazing apartment. So, and he did have it all seated out and, and you know, the wee different areas. I mean, they had these wee two-seater, that sort of Parisian look, you know, the, yeah. the wee tiny coffee table and the two metal seats. And then you had over the other side, you had the wee planter pots on the other side. And then you had his, he had his fake grass down, you know, and mm -hmm. his astroturf down as well on, on there. So it, it, it just looked a business. And, uh, and so it's amazing what you can do when you do it. However, mm. one thing I think about all the time is, um, uh, what do you do when it rains? I mean, you, we're, we're thinking about all these things and putting out blankets and pillows and all the rest of it. I mean, what's your suggestion, Andrea, about what do you do when it rains? Well, <laughs> we have a summer house that we store things in um, and we just pull the cushions for the, yeah. the furniture and everything. Not everybody has 
a space to store them, and it is something that you would need to think about because maybe it's the way you pl plastic outdoor shed, plastic outdoor storage area. You know these ones yeah. to cut or something like that. Yeah, you just need to make sure that when you do put them away for the end of the year, uh, that they're, they're really dry or they'll they'll get mildewy over you know yeah. if they're in storage. Um, but I mean, you know, even if they've got mildew, you can just put loose covers over them. There's nothing to say you can't use them still. Yeah. I'm always tempted to say, you know, the wee silicon gel things that you get in all your parks. You know, well, look at the example of the lateral uh, photos. Ah, <laughs> well, believe it or not, Elaine actually Elaine actually saved all these up. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you just put them in, you could just put them in to, to stop uh, uh, damp and everything like that um, in certain situations. You just use them. So it's great to actually reuse things like that rather than just throwing them in the bin. So it's uh, so look at the opportunities. I mean, it'll all add up, you know, because when you get tiny wee ones and you're maybe using, well, maybe every other day, um, in a whole year, you're talking about what, um, probably about 150 to 160 of them. Mm -hmm. But 150 to 160 of them, and, uh, and uh, you know, to use them in certain places outside, like what you've said, mm. um, is, a, is a perfect way to keep everything dry. Yeah. And if there's two of you in the house, then double that. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot. A lot now, of, could I say uh, there's three then? That would triple that. <laughs> you could if you wish. <laughs> and if there's four, what would happen? <laughs> you're, in, you're in trouble because you'd be under a mountain of these bugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, having fun with sun and shade, obviously, you need to be careful when you're out in the garden in the sun that you, you've got your factor high factor uh, sun lotion and everything on um but it is nice to have that place to sit in the actual sun so whether yeah. your garden is always in the shade or roasting in the sun it can be thriving and beautiful with the right plants in the right places nature is never wrong place your plants where the label says and they'll pay you back in spades and mm -hmm. if you've fallen in love with a plant that won't grow in your garden ask the nursery about a suitable alternative with the same leaf shape, size and colour. So among many splendid sun-loving plants are cardoon. Now, a lot of people might not know what a cardoon is, but basically it's related to the artichoke and the thistle. And they oh, give right you okay. massive purple prickly um, blooms. They're amazing. Melianthus, again, is a, is a huge um, plant of greenery, a bit like a rhubarb, um, yeah. that size, it'll grow to that. Echinops are little purple uh, spiky uh, puffball plants and of course fennel um, gives you a lovely sort of bronze green leaves in it so it gives you that variety in colour. So perfect solutions for shade include making a Victorian style fernery and we don't often see a lot of them but you can get some ferns that can grow up to six foot you know, the Fatsia japonica, I said we'd come about to talk about Fatsia. Um, you can get that in different types. You do get a variegated one yeah. called the spider's web variety. And it, it's absolutely stunning. I mean, it will give you colour. Um, are there much, much upkeep, though? I mean, is it a continuous upkeep? Because you, you go to some of these houses and you look at these these sort of spider plants in the rear garden and the ferns and everything. And, 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 and as soon as it hits the spring and the summer, it's like they go boom. And uh, and yeah, some of them are basically overpowering. Yeah, you would basically for the, your ferns and that you will get the time where they will just grow and grow and grow, but then they will all die back in the winter. So yeah. then that gives you your time to go in and do your clearing out. So, um, 
you know, the ferns will, uh, what's the word, they will propagate themselves as well. Mm -hmm. So when they do die back, if you don't want them to keep spreading, spreading and spreading, uh, that's your time to sort of dig it up. Or you can keep them in pots. If you keep things in pots, they're much easier to manage. If you've got a big enough garden, though, you could actually just let them run riot. And if you've got young kids, it's like it's a jungle. It's, yeah. You know, the amount of times that they could play in there and actually just have a fun, fantastic time yeah. every single week. Because it's like, oh, that's what I used to do all the time when I was young. I used to have, I used to run up to Silverburn Park and just spend all my time during the day um, in, in Silverburn Park. And, mm -hmm. and great and just imagine what you know uh, just uh, all these different imaginations about role playing and what you could be doing and we're soldiers and we're yeah. all these different things and, and we're in the jungle it's Indiana Jones and I, I took the kids up and did that as well you know mm -hmm. the same sort of thing took them through there and, and took them through an adventure and, and got them in, involved in imagining all these different things and, and this adventure and literally it was just, it was just trees and ferns that was it yeah yeah, Heather's saying that uh, Heather, uh, ferns are the easy, cheap option, and they are because they will just keep coming up every year, a bit like poppies. Um, you literally, know, literally, it's one other. It's similar to one one person's plant is another person's weed. Yeah, <laughs> that's the reality. And and I was going to say that earlier on how a lot of people actually um actually abhor you know certain types of plants and stuff like that. But the reality is, uh, they're actually just like they're just like actually weeds to them. So that's mm -hmm. you know that's what that's what I can see um, sometimes when that happens. Uh, there's there's you know you, you see lots of weeds. Look at the classic example as well when it comes to monoblock drives. Uh, a mm -hmm. monoblock drive itself um, is a, a case where you've got um, uh, uh, Perry said that she she puts seeds. You know, like normal, yeah. uh, like blossom seeds in the monoblock drive in yeah. between the monoblocks. And rather than actually weeds growing, she's got actually wee colourful plants growing. And then when you're walking up your paths and everything like that, it looks actually really, really nice. And I kind of thought, I never really thought about that because it obviously keeps the weeds at bay um, doing mm -hmm. something like that. But it's actually a really cost-effective way and makes it look really pleasant. Uh, all the thing is, is how's somebody going to get up to your house if there's <laughs> if there's nice, beautiful flowers in the path? It's like, I know, they won't want to stand on them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like hello hey, i'll just uh, we'll just talk here <laughs> oh dearie me so anyway you would follow nature's lead and your garden will have tools it needs for continuous growth year after year they're talking about nature the birds and the bees um it's okay jimmy we're not going to have a, a serious talk here um <laughs> i think he's past that stage <laughs> maybe just <laughs> so you might be surprised to learn how crucial gardens are to the survival of many species offering a far more stable habitat than regularly farmed fields they can be a haven of biodiversity in rural rural and urban settings yeah. so the best flowers um to attract butterflies and bees um i need to get my teeth in for this one it is among bulls mauve if anybody knows what that is uh, it can flower all year round which obviously for the, the the nature of the area and the birds and the bees and the butterflies that's really really good um yeah. And it's good for your garden as well, because it's nice to be able to have colour all year round. Um, mm. Linaria, um, it's got green leaves and it's tall and fluffy and elegant. Phacelia, uh, it's also known as a fid fiddle flower. 
Um, yeah. It has the highest pollen bearing and also the humble marigold. Now, I love marigolds. The only mm. thing that I puts me off marigolds is you've got oh. to keep planting new ones every year. I want a garden with hardy um, annuals, rather. Yeah, uh, I, hardy I, I, I that, that you would have to keep planting them every year. Why, why is that? They just die off and that's it. They're done. Yeah, I mean, you might be lucky and they might sort of self-seed uh, if you've got them in one particular area in your garden. But generally, yeah. um, the annuals have to be done every year. Um, so to cut down on the work in your garden, you'd really be looking to try and get some perennials there that are going to come up with no problem each year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, even, even your pansies. I mean, some people are lucky and they can get pansies coming up every year, but most people buy new stock every year and, and plant them out. Same with yeah. the abricha and all that, all the nice, colourful things that you see in hanging baskets. Yeah. So plants such as oxeye daisy, achillea and fox and cubs. Now, you've maybe never heard of fox and cubs. I had to look it up. Um, it's pretty much like a, a weed. It's like an orange, small orange dandelion. But it's an amazing colour. But as you said, one person's weed is another person's favourite plant. Um, it's a bit like, um, almost like the cancer of gardens because you cannot get rid of it sometimes. You know, Once you've yeah. got it in your garden, it's it's there all the time. But it is a lovely colour and it's mm -hmm. one of these meadow flowers. So the healthier your plants, the longer pollinators will visit. So invest in a compost bin. Have you got a compost bin, Jimmy? Nope. Have you got a compost bin, Jim? I used to. Uh, God, I think it was the back of the garden. We just used to put everything in, like, eggshells and that. My, my grandfather had one all the time, and he swore by it because he was a keen gardener. Um, mm -hmm. So it was it, everything. Um, we we tend to we tend to put a lot of the stuff back to the hens because the hens oh, eat yeah. a lot. A little, a little, so, for example, potato peelings, um, mm -hmm. you boil them first to take the starch out of them, and actually you can put them back to the hens and they eat them. Um, mm -hmm. And then things like, uh, believe it or not, that the eggs, so the eggshells, you can actually, mm -hmm. for hens, you can actually just clean them up, put them in the oven, bake them for a wee while, right? And then you crush them back down and the hens can eat them and it becomes a source of calcium for them again for, and also obviously aids their digestion as well. Um, so that's what you can do with the eggshells for the hens. And for um, other things as well, like veg, um, offcuts, uh, again, the hens get it. Um, mm -hmm. They don't. They don't touch onions. That's dangerous to them. They don't touch mushrooms. That's dangerous to them. Um, but it's just usual green leaf stuff. Um, tends to be yeah. perfect for hens. Um, and they'll just consume all that. Like your broccoli. I mean, the best part of uh, the best part of your plant in a broccoli, the most nutritious, is the stem. And yet everybody mm -hmm. chucks that away. So what we yeah. do is, I, well, I juice it, and then what I've got is the residue, which goes to the hens every morning. Um, so, so these are all different things that instead of composting, if you've got hens, I mean, they'll devour everything, more or less. Mm -hmm. um, so I used to have it, yep, in a, <laughs> in, in, a, in a roundabout answer, I've just told you, used to have it, but um, but the hens consume most of the stuff now. Very good. Yeah, no, we don't have a compost bin either, but then, you know, the, the local councils take garden waste away now uh, and do composting on a larger scale, so... Um, don't feel the need to have a compost bin at home. Um, yeah. Talking about hens' eggs, my husband does have a collection of 
eggshells <laughs> sitting in the kitchen at the moment. He says they'll be really good for, um, I've read somewhere on, on the internet that it helps keep slugs away. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't quite know what to do with them yet. They're still sitting in the kitchen. That's been about two weeks now. Um, so I did suggest to him that probably the easier way to keep the slugs away is actually putting the eggs out in the gar- eggshells out in the garden. Um, probably crushing them up and putting them in the plant pots. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just waiting on them doing that. Righty ho. So um, one, of the best, one of the best places I've seen for uh, for curb appeal and gardening is this one. This is Tarvet Drive. Remember this one? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that was that was beautiful. I mean it was it just look at all the different colours and look at all that the way that's all set out and then the front door as well and the way that's yeah, all done. Exactly. It's just it was just so much appeal, and then then you walked in and you got the back garden. So again, back down to the fine spaces, isn't it? So you've got out the patio doors, you've got the patio at the back, you've got the decking, you've got down at the shed is down the bottom, you've got the chimney, and then at the side you mm-hmm. can see that for you know in here where they're going to be sitting in the sun all day long as well, and then again from a different angle, and you can see that view over there as well. So mm-hmm. you can and and they had that well thought out and well planned. In terms of, and then the monobot drive for plenty of street park. And again, see the pots as you come in at the front door? Yeah. yeah. And all these as you come in the front door, nice welcoming. And then even on the side gate uh, next to the garage, you've got a wee hanging basket. Now, could you imagine if you take all this away, how bare that would look? And yet, just that addition of these pots, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven, how much would that cost you? 35 quid, something like that? Maybe three quid each? Um, at the local shop, uh, 12, um, you know, 40 quid, and that would just make a huge difference to your mm-hmm. place. But could you imagine them without it? Um, it would just look totally different, wouldn't it? So yeah, it- I mean, that house was absolutely stunning. I mean, I remember when it came yeah. up for sale, and, you know, obviously the garden was a huge attraction for yeah. for the buyers. And again, um, you've got see the planting boxes at the back there. Yeah. And then you've got the planters at the side and then hanging on the wall. So these aren't actually sitting in the, the earth. They're not sitting in a garden, so they're easily you could easily take them out and put them in, or put them in a greenhouse um, off season if that's what you want to do. And you would mm-hmm. it would just be a, it just had a stunning way. So so when you look at all that, and then you strip all these plants and that landscape garden away, at the end of the day, it's just a house. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you what, it makes it a home, doesn't it? 100%. Yeah. And what you can do when you've got the majority of your garden in, in pots, you yeah. can take it with you when you move. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, you just say to your buyer, you know, I will be taking my pots with me, um, but everything else in the garden will stay. Uh, whereas if you... I'll, be ta- I'll be taking my astroturf as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like, mind the money. You ever watch Money Pit with Tom Hanks? Oh and gosh, yes. And the woman says, and I'm taking that, and she went, hey, hey, I'm just kidding. And she went, I'm taking that, and I'm taking this, and I'm taking that, and I went, hey, hey, I'm just kidding. And Tom Hanks is going, okay then. So when Tom Hanks moves in, it's all gone. Even things like the mind the sink and everything was gone as well. It's like yeah. she'd take the sink and she'd taking the, the cooker and she'd taking she'd taking things like the heating system as well because she was she was going around and saying, I'm taking that as well. Ah, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I did tell you I was taking it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, you can actually you can just lift things like that and take them with you uh, and just yeah. make it clear that that's what you're doing. Um, but but it just sets off the whole mood, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I moved to the house that I'm in now, we had um, 
a few plants in the, the garden we were leaving and they were actually in the ground. And yeah. we just said to them, you, you know, that particular rose bush, these were, um, they were given as gifts to us for anniversaries. So uh, we wanted to bring them with us because we're special. Um, but as long as you make it clear that you, you are taking something out of the garden of the house you're selling, you're fine. But what you can't do sell your house and then decide at last minute oh i'm going to take that apple tree and i'm going to take you know that expensive shrub a lot of people have anniversary and wedding presents that are in the garden so yeah certainly in the garden we've seen that in tenant properties as well eh? where where you know the the tenants actually i've had it in the past where the where the, the the owners failed to tell us that there was a you know a unique um maybe a tree or a plant or something like that mm -hmm. for them in the garden and then the, the the tenants actually removed it and then they've gone where is it and i'm like because it was my anniversary and it's like oh my god it's like why did you not tell us then surely you're bound to have known it there was they were going to do the garden at some point in time because they were keen gardeners mm -hmm. um so you know that has caused a wee bit of aggravation in the past so if you're a if you're a landlord out there and and you have a property you're letting uh, then make sure if there's certain things in the garden uh, lying about that you don't want touched, that you inform your letting agent or you inform the tenants yourself if you're self-managing. Self-managing is a false economy, by the way. Watch our wealth creation show at twelve thirty on Monday, and I'll tell you why. Um, uh, and and you'll uh, you'll you'll be able to you'll be able to stop that happening in the future. Don't dig up the patio. <laughs> well, right, okay. You didn't want to dig up my patio. <laughs> <laughs> Pet cemetery. <laughs> oh, so, getting into the zone, garden zones not only add character and style, they turn every corner into a special and valuable place. Yeah. Space. Um, beyond the lawn and the patio are so many options. Um, so, you could try the following zoning and edging ideas for inspiration, Jimmy. <laughs> mm -hmm. You got a trampoline, slide, or a climbing frame. Yep, they not rarely match or improve any garden design. So why not try and create a secret play space behind, say, a gazebo or a greenhouse or fruit trees? That's a, that's a huge thing for kids and families, isn't it? The secret yeah. hideaways and stuff like that. I mean, I've spent many time. I actually, I remember, and this is like the this is like the gym recollection show. <laughs> <laughs> Down memory lane, uh, I remember we used to dig tunnels underneath in the garden and then line them with wood and actually, you know, proper um, lintels and everything like that, and actually yeah. have tunnels all the way throughout the garden underneath. And you stick Gosh. a cracker on, you'd go right through them and come out the other end and stuff. <laughs> That's it. And then, then off the side, you'd have a den. Uh, that didn't actually last that much because the roof caved in. Um, luckily enough, we weren't we weren't deep enough for it to cause a problem. <laughs> but we did cover it up with doors actually from the beach. We would got them from the beach and we covered it up with doors and then then re-turfed it over again. So we had a den that you can go into as well. Um, so that's the I kind of thing that we did in our garden. <laughs> yeah, we we had a little secret garden in in my house when I was growing up. Um, you know, and the neighbours all we used to. Uh, the years that my house was built, we had separate little buildings that contained the oil tank because um, there was no gas in the area at the time. Yeah. And you know, the little bit behind the oil tank, that was our haven for playing. You know, we used to climb up onto the roof of it and jump off. And well, you didn't see it behind the bike sheds. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next paragraph, Jim. No, it's not. <laughs> so some more ideas for Jimmy and this amazing garden that he's going to get ready for us all coming for a barbecue. 
Railway sleepers, they're the perfect for building raised beds or for steps to for an elevated deck. Where do you a get them now, though? I mean, do you, do you, well, can you yeah. actually get can you get them anymore? You can't get the well, you can still get some of the old ones from reclamation yards, but the, yeah. the most um, sawmills will actually produce brand new sleepers, you know, the, yeah. the size of what railway sleepers were. So they maybe yeah. don't have that authentic, rustic, old railway sleeper look, but they're the same size and the same dimension and, you know, they've been pre-treated and everything, so they're going to last. Or you could nip to the leave mouth and just get them when they're changing over with a new rail link going in. Yeah. <laughs> I know that I'm advising to do that, but they're, 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 having, they're going to have to take all that track up anyway. So mm -hmm. they're going to have to take all the traffic up. They can't use the old railway sleepers. So there's a huge amount of railway sleepers for for a good three or four miles actually coming out of the ground. They've got to go yeah. somewhere. So there's a golden opportunity if they're wanting railway sleepers authentic from yeah. the lead mouth rail track, you know, um, um, actually used in the 1950s and 1940s, um, then these are classic examples to use. Mm. Right. A mini meadow or a patch of wildflowers um, supports biodiversity and makes a romantic reading spot with a chair or a bench. Um, well, I suppose if you're romantically feeling, then to have a nice bit in the garden like that is fine. Yeah. Kitchen gardens and vegetables and herbs don't have to be messy. You can put them into your borders amongst your other plants. Um, you can put them into little pots on a vertical uh, stand and and you can just have all the little names written on them so you know exactly what's what um, you can natural um, edging solutions like woven willow cinder blocks, recycled rubber and natural stone keep everything in check with a stylish uh, well edge tomatoes, yeah. spinach and french beans are all available as plug plants um, you can get them in the ground now for harvesting and around 6 to 10 weeks later um, again, you know, a lot of people grow their vegetables in amongst their flowers. They make use of all the gaps yeah. in between, which is really quite well, good and, and adds another dimension to the garden. There's also there's also a, a train of thought, actually. There's certain types of flowers that insects will not go near, um, and therefore you can actually grow vegetables next to these flowers because it actually is a natural deterrent rather than having to put pesticides or anything on them. Oh, right. um, uh -huh. so actually you can grow organically so this is a lot of farming technology that's well it's going back to the, the the good old days of farming where where the farmers from years gone by have worked out how to put certain types of plants with other um uh, crops that they are growing in order to warn off certain pest, uh, pests or, or or insects that they didn't want to touch their their crops so they, they would get a higher mm. yield um and plus the fact it improves organic farming and it's good for the environment as well because you're not using a pesticide which goes into the into the earth and goes into the actual product here that you're eating yourself i mean you know you, you are eating that stuff so that's why i tend to go for organic soya bean when i'm drinking organic milk it's organic mm -hmm. soya milk i go for because because most of the soya is actually treated with roundup um which is monsanto which was actually just done for cancer um because it's it causes cancer long term uh, using all these roundup pesticides and stuff like that so you know top tip if you can use on our gut if you can use a flower to help you or something to help you assist um you're growing your vegetables and stuff like that and worn off um certain insects uh, i mean it's really all this information is readily available on the internet 
Um, and and you'd you think it's pie in the sky thinking, but it's really going back to the original days where these chemicals didn't exist. Um, so you can get all that information on YouTube videos, on, on all the advice from professionals and experts in their field, mm -hmm. uh, how to do that. So it really is good top tips. The one about the trampoline you said was quite interesting, mm -hmm. Andrea. I, I went around somebody's house the other day to value it in series, and uh, they had the old, um, they had their pond. So what they'd done is, because their kids were so young at the time, they'd actually just drained the pond and sunk the trampoline into it. Uh and, and and the trampoline was perfect. It was actually it was perfectly level with the grass, um, but it had that big, huge, massive uh, uh, base to it where the where they could actually where the kids could just jump up and down. And that was a good use of the pond. Um, mm -hmm. We drained our pond exactly as well because we had um, we had Buddy who we had the uh, the cerebral uh, cerebral palsy. He was a cat, and we mm -hmm. were always terrified that he would actually end up falling in the pond and he'll not get back out. So we drained the pond for that reason, and they just utilised it for something else. Um, so these are all different things you can do and make use of the existing spaces that might not be as safe in your garden for maybe younger children, maybe for pets, um, and you can repurpose them for something else. So this is really good top tips that you're talking about for that reason. Uh, Jimmy, yeah, yeah. have you found that as well? You know, yeah. I mean, have you had to do anything different to your garden? You're probably going to say no. <laughs> our, our garden was... Um, our garden was... Um, needed a lot of work so we had to yeah. make it safe to be beforehand because the because the greenhouse slash summer house attached up to the garden was unsafe so we had to knock it down and yeah, i've always i've always had a worry about that you know just um it. uh, it's falling against the you know a greenhouse or something i mean you know they say it's all nice and uh, uh tough and glass but it's just it's just a thought it's like you mm. know why would you take the risk if that's the case even if you put even if you put um Stick about plastic, you know the the, the sort of uh, transparent on it on the bottom yeah. around the bases. Um, so if, if if anybody does fall against it, then it doesn't actually shatter and uh, it just cracks and that's it. And it's not it's safe, um, and you can still continue to use it. Um, but you're yeah. absolutely right. Uh, that's the type of things we did as well. We just um, we just made it a lot safer in the garden mm -hmm. for that reason. You do have to kind of do a risk assessment of your garden when you've got. We've had to do it on our garden for grandchildren now, yeah. so. You know, and you think, don't run. <laughs> um, you know, you're going to trip, you know, and they just go absolutely bombing around the grass and everything, around the AstroTurf. Um, well, kids don't mind, and kids are quite resilient. You can see what we've done, what we did for hours when we were younger, like tunnels and, and it's yeah. like uh, dens underneath the ground. And, and the very fact that, I mean, some of the places, I mean, my dad had, I'll be honest, when I, when I think about it now, my dad did actually go down and check the tunnels because the tunnels were about six feet deep. Uh, and then you think about, I mean, it was only enough for us to crawl through um, in terms of that, for to get through. So we actually took the, you know, the edging plan, uh, the edging that you get, the concrete um, edging that you get on the yeah. parts. Well, we took these lintels and put them up the side and then we put solid wood along the top and then we boarded it with floorboards. We, we cut them all up um, with floorboards to, to, to support the top, almost like a, how they did it in a mine in the olden days. Um, but I tell you what, um, for a child, that think about the skills that actually teaches them and how to do that um, and how to learn all that. And we had all our mates get involved as well. So we all built this together in the back garden and I had our own den as well as a result. Um, so so it, was a, it was a huge learning curve for us, but we loved it and it kept us out of mischief because you know, we're doing that instead. Um, 
it wasn't great when we're using candles and stuff because obviously there's chances of getting fired and, and stuff like that. But hey ho, that's the thing you do. Yeah? Um, Did you take the canary down with you, Jim? No. <laughs> Jimmy won't know what we're talking about. You what, when somebody let one go, everybody was out of there pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, didn't I light a match for God's sake? <laughs> oh dear. So what's your next step? Are your knee pads at the ready and gloves at hand to give your garden or balcony a spring injection? It really is the perfect time. If you're wondering what local buyers are looking for in a garden, why not get in touch with us? Uh, just contact us at any of our offices or on our website at www.fiveproperties.co.uk and we'll tell you all you need to know. So any other helpful hints and tips that you can think of, Jimmy, for a garden as a newbie gardener? So gardens are becoming a deciding factor on people whether they purchase a house or not. So my key things that I think of when I'm speaking to buyers, what they that they like is um, privacy would be a one. So when we're talking about these certain plants and stuff that can grow quite high yeah. and maybe plant, plant them around the, down the edges. So it has that little bit of privacy as a key one. And then, and then color being the other one, you can see what, what transformation a few pots um, had for target drive. And I think that would be another key one for, for me. So privacy and, and color the two, ones that I, I like to, to focus on when I'm giving people advice when I'm going out to see them in terms of preparing, getting ready for the market. Yeah. And Jim, any sort of last thoughts on what your best would be? I'm quite clinical and everything is a place and a place for everything. Um, so uh, well-defined areas. And I, I'll, I'll go back to saying, you know, when I spoke to the people, at, uh, to Daniela at Malt Row, um, I, I, I told her, this is what you should do here. She put stone chips on this bit here and you should do there. And you've got that perfectly done there. Um, so we had a discussion about that and we laid it all out perfectly. So there's well-defined areas. Now, she had most of these things already, but it was just all I was doing was adding that just additional value about what the thought process and how people walk in the door and then put the C at the front door when they walk in as well and how that would look around the side and how that would look around the corner. So it's that sort of thing, I would say. Uh, if, you are, if you are looking to sell, then that's the sort of stuff you do. If you're looking to live in it, then, you know, I think you should get your kids involved as much as possible. You've got young children, you've got young grand, grand, grandchildren, and, and just let them have a field day in it. Um, even I mean you've have you got an overgrown bit at the back of your I mean we've got a we've got a wee tunnel bit in the back of our trees and it was always called the secret garden um, and it was a wee tunnel you go through and you go to the the uh, uh, to the back shed which is the wee shed at the back which the kids played in all the time and that's still at the back of the garden now waiting for the grandkids uh, hint hint Tony <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> no pressure now. Um, uh, so um so that's the sort of thing uh, i would you would love to get the kids involved and really to be honest uh, take take a wee bit of thing about that um about what i've said to you about getting the kids digging the garden throw a 50 pence piece in there and get them digging it up uh, literally because they'll be there all day but the great thing is it's healthy for them and it's and it's it's soothing and relaxing for them because they're doing it as well, and they're getting rewarded for it as well at the same time. So now and again, you know, it's like it's sticking another fifty pence in somewhere where they can find that on on an occasion. Um, and then also, um, if you've got if you've if you've got we we actually went down to uh, the golf course. 
So we went down to the local golf course years ago, and my dad would just get sand. Uh, and it was literally at the beach, the golf course, where they got their sand. So we got the same sand, and they would take it up to the house, and they'd put it at the back of the garage. And I spent hours upon hours for days on end uh, actually playing cars and tunnels all the way through that, just in these big, making big mountains, digging big tunnels with my hands, mm-hmm. making the, you know, the wee matchbox cars go in and out at the other end. My pals would be at the other end digging tunnels. We'd be meeting in the middle together. Sometimes it would collapse. We'd have great fun. We'd pack it all together again and start again. So these are all just wee things that you could keep your kids involved and your grandkids involved all the time with, and they'll have fantastic fun out of your garden all day long, especially at this time of year. Now it's a lot warmer. Even, uh, uh, to be honest, probably in the winter. You know what kids are like. They're quite resilient. Eh? Yeah. So that's my if, you're selling, if you're selling, make sure it's all clinically laid out and proper and, and, and got, the, got the, the part. If you're not selling and you're looking for advice, get something that will involve the kids and the grandkids and everybody else. Um, that's what I would say. Two different aspects. What about yourself, Andrea? Well, I would say if you've got if you're going to be selling your house and you've got things in your back garden that are maybe a bit tatty, if you can't do them up, get rid of them, replace them if you can. No point in having a trampoline there that's got the, the sides of it all broken down and it's got a split a in the pit. middle. Dig a pit and have a fire. Get the get the potatoes yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, that's what again we come back to saying that's who I, that's who I grew up. I went to Pete Webster along the road. Pete Webster used to used to you know just dig a big fire pit in the back garden, chuck everything in, and goes, "I'm having a bonfire." He's coming. Along. Yeah, I'll be there. And I was there, and it was like I just I just, just love it. I used to love you it. Potato and you, in the foil. <laughs> yeah, you take the potato in the foil, and you'd have charred potato, literally charred. You were eating just charcoal. But I tell you what, uh, that sort of taste always brings me back to that brilliant memory. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably why when you put stuff on the barbecue and it burns, it's like, I'm no bothered. It just, uh, yeah. I think it's great. Um, because you remember all these different emotives and mo- emotions uh, involved in when you were a lot younger and what you, how great it was at that time. So, you know, I, I know obviously health and safety nowadays says, oh, you shouldn't be having fires and all the rest of it. But yeah, what, what the Denny King does, doesn't hurt them. <laughs> no, I said that we disclaimer Thank here. <laughs> but finally, you you could wrap up, Andrea. You know what's yeah, your thoughts? Well, well, finally, well, I'd like to say thank you very much for joining me today. I hope you've enjoyed your wee morning off, Jim, from being host. Yeah. And uh, Jimmy, thanks. I hope we've given you loads of ideas to go out and get stuck into that garden, some fresh inspiration. Um, <laughs> doesn't look like it, does it? <laughs> Well, we've actually got borders across the garage, um, and the kids like grew sunflowers last year. They've got about eight foot high, so mm. I think that's where we can do stuff similar like that with their kids this year as well. It's when kids yeah. take pride as well, doesn't it? You know, yeah. just putting growing it in the house and then teaching them. One of the things I actually taught my kids to do was actually grow potatoes in a mm. bag. So I didn't really mm-hmm. want to dig up the garden and all the rest of it. So I just got a bag. I stuck the potatoes in there. I showed them how it was done. And now Tony does things like that now. Because yeah. uh, that's what I was taught when I was younger. How yeah. you do cucumbers, tomatoes, you know, all these different things involved in the garden. And it just gave you that, it just gave you that different, different view of things. I think that's what a lot of a lot of us actually tend to forget now. We're focused so much on phones, uh, phones and tablets and computers. Um, it, we forget that the great outdoors is is free. Oh, That's it when it comes down to it. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, okay. So if anybody has got any other ideas or suggestions for what will help make your garden into a beautiful haven to, to live with or to help your property sell, please put it in the comments and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. So I think that's it for today. Thanks again, Jim and Hello, Jimmy. And we look forward to seeing you on next week's show. Sure. Okay. Goodbye for her and it's goodbye for him. <laughs> <laughs> Bye just now. <laughs> Bye.